Welcome to the Scottish Property Podcast. This is a show where we aim to educate, inspire and entertain through real life stories and interviews from people in the Scottish property community. As always, thanks for listening and give us a follow on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Remember to join us at our monthly networking events on the first Wednesday of every month. Tickets are available on our website. So without further ado, we'll just cut straight into this week's podcast. So welcome back to the Scottish Property Podcast, Mr. Samuel Dyer. Hello, hello. It, fucking, oh. it pains me to say this that we're bringing him back on because I think one of his podcast has got one of the most downloads from his previous episode, which was what, episode 64 from about two and a half years ago. March yeah. 2021. That's yeah, down to him promoting the podcast promoting the more f- than me do. So it's good to have you back on there. Marketing manager. Yes. So if you, if any of you guys want a more a backstory, and we will go on to it with Sam, uh, go back and listen to episode 64 with Sam. We, we brought him on because he'd built up a seven-figure property portfolio using none of his own money, and we went into that beginning part of that journey. Anyway, so for the listeners that don't know you and have listened to the episode, give a wee bit of background, quick background, Sam, on your background. Background. Quick background. Quick background. Um, I guess my day job, run Dyer & Co, letting agency, um, run a network for property investors, This Is Wealth, and yeah, property portfolio in the background, um, mainly residential, bit of commercial in there now, and I'm a big believer in diversifying your income, so you're a pile of money in the stock market, I'm a pension as well. I think that's ticked most things. Is that quick enough for you? That was pretty good, actually. What do you think? And if you, oh, if you haven't seen Sam, he's all over the press. Like you've just got an article out here in the Telegraph newspaper. So quite kind of quite hard hitting, uh, big uh, tabloid, uh, not tabloid, uh, broadsheet newspaper. So a uh, good article here on Sam and kind of a bit about his property background. And he's saying here is uh, t- worth more than 10 million property, but he's oh. failed to say that half of that belongs to Stephen. Oh, so, <laughs> so now it's the eight figure property portfolio using none of your own money. So, so there we go. Continuation. For those, for those listeners that don't know the story here, Sam and Stephen, Stephen Clark, my co-host in Scottish Property Podcast, obviously, Sam Dyer, you guys are business partners as well, yep. just for transparency, right? Yep. So you've built your portfolio of residential properties together over the past, what, three years? Sort of. Sort of, aye. A bit the, the background on it would be that both of us have got our own portfolios before joining forces. Sam, if you if you follow him on social media, you know that he's a paying national stickler for detail. But he does the stuff that I am not good at. He is the strength to my weakness, and I think probably vice versa, I hope. Um, so, yeah. What, what would you say has weaknesses <laughs> and strengths? Oh, start with the weaknesses. Fucking that's what his weaknesses? That's good telling so, that good podcast. So, I'm going to take him off his pedestal, right? <laughs> <laughs> See when he did Spittle? Spittle? What is Spittle the for HMO. the listeners? Right? He was sitting there like, oh, look over this loan agreement. Oh, help me with these, <laughs> this thing on zero. This and that. How do I do this? How do I do that? And I'm just like, it's like, why did you do this project on your own? Fuck, that's what you get. Sure, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> but, yeah, so his, his weakness, he... I don't want to say... I don't want to say you're bad at finance. I just think you just don't have the patience for it. Because you're a... I mean, I'll be... I'll be <laughs> We give you a compliment. You are, you are a clever man, right? That's the compliments over. But I don't think he has the patience for finance. And the attention to detail, I yeah, attention to detail. And I think where your strength lies is you let him out on site to, you know, project manager refurbs, push that along. He's got a really good eye for just visualizing a space, how you can refurb it, all that sort of stuff. Um, so when I when I'm explaining to people, you know, my business partners, I say, well, basically, I'm the portfolio manager and the finance guy. 
Stephen's the developer. That's pretty much an yeah. oversimplified um, explanation of our skill sets. Mm. That's, that's, that's the most uncomfortable I've ever seen. Fucking me, I'm actually it's sweating. Worse than having your missus yeah. sat across from you. It's fucking, it's worse <laughs> than my missus, that's for fucking sure. He said, he, do you know what, somebody said this to me the other day, and I didn't, I've not said this to Sam, and he says, why half and everything in the portfolio with Sam going forward? And I, and I said this in, with the kind of utmost respect that if I was to look back on my last three years before I partnered with Sam, I think it was the same time we started the podcast, actually. So you can probably listen to the journey and where we've came in the last few years. Um, through my story, obviously, he's here, Sam, said it today. But from what I added to the portfolio, I might have added 16 units. Maybe, you know, a handful a year, every year for the last few years, I might have got 15, 16 units. Combining my weakness with Sam's strength, we've probably put 100 units in in three years. So my portfolio Phenomenal might growth, have went yeah. crazy and I'm okay I'm half in it but I've done so much more even if you take half away consider what we've done by both of us using each other's skill sets and people are very much they want all from themselves like oh it's my portfolio it's my dealer it's this and that whereas we, we've I've got that kind of saying about the you know make that pie or make that cake bigger and everyone gets a bigger slice of it so that's the reason the partnership so yeah if he's ever had any big fallouts fucking like every day <laughs> What, right? <laughs> Fucking everything. <laughs> Nobody winds me up more than Sam. <laughs> How, how's this communication with me? <laughs> you know something. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Like, I'm not in as deep as you, but <sighs> this is just going to turn into a slag Stephen Clark podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm not in as deep as you, but like obviously, like messages, like uh, sometimes you'll wait. Maybe two days is quite a good reply mm. time. So, <laughs> we've got a headline for the podcast. Slagging Stephen Clark with Sam Dyer. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Just spread it, mate. Just, just Never tell, mind. tell the truth. Never mind any figure property portfolio, just slagging Stephen Clark. Uh, we will get on to that. <laughs> eventually. eventually. No, but I want to, obviously, a lot of people um, do get involved with business partners and it doesn't always work out. You mm. know, it often ends in absolute tears. Well, mm. I'll tell you something, though. So when we started out, yes, communication was worse. It royally <laughs> fucked me off. And... I can remember we were in um, Fruki in Fife. We pulled over at the petrol station. I have no idea why. And I can remember we were screaming at each other in the car park. Oh, really? Oh, aye. Never had screaming, that. Screaming, like, shouting, like... Rrr. But then we had a chat. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. Mm. And the thing I really like about working with Stephen is, yeah, he pisses you off, right? And I'm sure I piss him off. And to be honest, the nature we both have, we try and piss each other off. And it's got to the point now that sometimes I'll say things and no one will wind him up. And you'll, you'll see him, a way to open his mouth and retaliate. Yes. And then he, then he takes a pause and then he smiles <laughs> and then he just claps his hands like, well done, you, you got to me. Yeah. But the thing I really like about Stephen though is if there's a problem, we just talk about it. Yeah. And there's no, oh, you said that about me. No, You've hurt my feelings. It's just, no, this has annoyed me. Okay, I respect that that's annoyed you, etc., yeah. etc. Et and then you find a way forward. And both of us, when we started out, we, we obviously talked about what, why are we doing this together, what are we getting in for. But I think the most important thing is you've got to like the person that you work with. Fuck, I've given them a compliment. But you have to actually want to work with them, enjoy spending time with them. I mean, we go out for beers. We socialise together as well. Although when we socialise, all we do is talk about property and business. It reminds me uh, <laughs> Stevie Scott in Revolution in Aberdeen. <laughs> You know the story I'm going to tell. Oh, fucking so hell. Why do you invite him on? 
Uh, it was me, me, you, and a couple other guys, and I think it'd been, it'd been the Scottish Property Podcast Aberdeen event. Yeah. Went out for beers in the town, and we're sitting there, you're drinking away, and we sit around this, this sort of table, and there's like a fire, and there's these two girls sitting on the other side with their drinks, and they're looking over, you know, they're looking at you know, the sort of flirty banter. And then they're all like, they get the um, the drinks mats, put them on top of their their glasses, and they're like. Oh, don't spike us <laughs> and all this like and Stevie Scott just turns around and says and it's one of them ones you had to be there he just turns around and goes as if these guys are talking about anything other than property and we just earned stitches and they, they went off and <laughs> But that pretty much sums up. Wait a minute here. Yeah. Are you two not both married? What are you doing flirting with girls in a bar? Anyway, have a second here. Let's just get you into some baller. I don't know where he got the flirting for. It must have been in his fucking head. But but, no, but the point is, yeah, when we go out on the lash, mm. we just talk about property and business yeah, yeah. and okay. Okay, and cool. cars and a few other bits, but property and business. But the cars has got to be something that we need to bring up as well because, like, obviously, like... <laughs> like what is taxi? You know, I mean, I've seen... Right, you've got a... What is it? A BMW? Black? It's like a black... Like, it looks like a thing that you would hire for a wedding or something like that. A wedding car or something like that. <laughs> he's, he's got a... It's, it's I've got a, 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 a family car. Uh, it's a family saloon. It's a, a still grey, not black. No. But yeah, oh, my family car. Show me a bit of fucking detail, guys. <laughs> oh, God. But you do, you do like your cars, both yeah. of you, right? So. Mm. It's one of the motivations um, to work hard and drive hard. And I remember, I, I'm pretty bad for not spend the money like every, as an investor everything's an investment you're constantly fucking pushing on pushing on because I'm a few years older than Sam I was like right, fuck this I've wanted a 911 since I was a boy I'm buying a Porsche 911 and got one and all I kept doing was slagging off Sam going you've told me you want a BM you've told me what an M5 for ages stop being a fucking peasant and just go and buy something so I end up like almost billing them into buying this flipping M5 no, yeah yeah and that's <laughs> but what I'm saying bullying but actually it was a Positive billion <laughs> pushing me on, and yeah, I've I've always liked my BMWs. Driven old banger V8s, you know, spent three four grand, bought them cash. I was knocking about in an old E ninety three twenty D. It was fifteen years old. Um, so anyone that doesn't know what that is, basically a really old basic poverty spec BMW, two liter diesel, cheap to run, cheap to insure, owned outright. And I was, but my my view is that three twenty D is the perfect hustler's car. You can rock up to business meetings, and it's respectable enough assuming it's not covered in rust, but it's also cheap enough to run, cheap enough to insure, cheap enough to buy, and you're not going to really lose anything on it. So I was kicking about in one of them, and I'd kind of got to that after all the daft, big-engined, unsensible cars, but I always wanted an M5. I always wanted a second-hand M5, E39 M5, to be precise, if we've got any petrol heads listening. Jesus Christ, the detail. Do you know what I mean? So, so to cut a long story short, I was so busy focusing on growing my business I was just kicking along and I pushed it to one side I was trying to ignore all the distractions and this guy's rocking up in his 911 giving me beef and he's like you can afford it and I'm like so then I again back to the numbers well if I sell that flat that flat do this this and this I can buy it cash mm. um, fuck it idiot <laughs> it's so, so, that must yeah. be the worst investment decision you've ever made oh it? it's lost 30 grand already I got to have to so <laughs> <laughs> financially yeah so financially yeah. makes zero sense I totally get that I mm. totally respect that but it's an investment in my life 
in my it's an investment in my enjoyment makes it's an you happy does it sound yes 100 percent. I, 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 I will second that actually i have noticed a difference in him the last he gives year. that car man you might, he fucking does some i probably does i'm sure some <laughs> some people like look buying at clothes and fucking watches or whatever and i like, mean sam's always had that desire for cars so to, uh, to, be, to be fair as much as it makes a f- poor financial decision on paper and where he's at when you see what he's done in the last year and a half because of that enjoyment and that mindset growth and having that car, has, I think it's been an asset, to be fair. So, you get one life, and I've, I've spoke to a few folk older, you know, their 50s and 60s, and says, you're never going to look back and say, I wish I never bought the M5. So, I look at it as, you can't put a price on the feeling I had the day I picked it up. You can't put a price on the feeling I have driving it. For what? It's what, 107 grand car? But you can make 107 grand you can make that money again so what it doesn't make sense let me, but I've let done me. it now take the box but in all honesty right we almost, we almost got 100 uh, grand investor from the fucking from the dealership <laughs> on the day you picked up the car actually I quite like that about you that, that I can tell that you've not really done it for it's not really for views and for people no. to go wow because for me I don't know anything about cars right but I'll look at your car and I'll look at his car and I'll go at his car and I'll go wow that's something that's fancy as fuck but I'll look at your car and go that's just a family saloon and and on <laughs> I don't know anything co- about cars completely right and if you look at mine's mine's like a driver's car but it's not like a orange fucking McLaren like Gary aye, Wilson's it's in your face or flash, flash. It's, this is so, so aye, we both do it because we love cars really good point because spend 107 grand on a car that looks like a saloon if you know what it is you know what it is fine Yeah. but I could go and spend 50 grand on a second hand basic spec McLaren in a bright orange colour and the average punter would go wow yeah and I'm like but yeah. I could buy two of them for the same mm. of what I bought that for so yeah, it is it's, it's, not yeah, it's, it's, it's not the car I've always wanted a bit of it, but that, mm. to be fair that's why I like them because they're, that's your thing I mean mm. performance of a Ferrari but they just look like an everyday saloon I get both kids in the back massive boot take them away on holiday it does everything but what, what I was going to say there was the next car I'm going to try and be sensible about it because I've ticked that off my list mm-hmm. I've achieved mm. what I, I didn't believe I could achieve that 10 years ago I've ticked it off I've been there I've done it cool next time I'll probably put my investor hat back on so mm. I do think that's really important though that you know, we talk about being sensible making the right financial decisions but you need to spend your money on something at some point otherwise what the hell are you doing it for yeah. what are you doing it for and then I, I, I don't know if it was a convincing because you sent me a podcast that almost justified it to ourselves but apparently cars are free of capital gains tax or inheritance tax it was almost like if you made money buy, buy the cars keep the car collection whatever you want to do with the cars and if you give them to your family when you pass away they're free of inheritance so it was almost like yeah well don't actually makes some kind of sense some right, cars, off the some, cars, cars aye, some cars appreciate in value yes like off mm-hmm. the cars because it's not a fucking cars pod I mean it was <laughs> me that brought the cars in I don't know um, why you even I'm bringing the cars out and want a property well, no yeah let's talk about what let's you- talk about cars and property so let's talk about garage investing in garages no yeah. let's not <laughs> Right now, go for it. <laughs> like, getting back to what you've achieved then, Sam, um, you know, you're our guest today, you know, run over, because you've, you've had a big growth period yourself and Stephen over the past couple of years, um, you know, and definitely achieved a lot. So can I sum, if you can sum up really, you know, what you've achieved and built in the last sort of two two years, would you say, since you were on the last podcast? Mm, two and a half years. Two, two and a half, yeah. Yeah. Sum it up in what way? What? How many units? Um, start well, with that. I mean, this year, <laughs> this year alone. I will start with this year. This year alone, we've added four and a half million pound of mm-hmm. property to the portfolio. 
and then uh, a few million before that. One of them being a 39-unit portfolio yeah. in Aberdeen, mm-hmm. which we've talked about previously, touched on, touched on it. but not really gone into full details, which I've got still got a few more questions about. Hence why Sam's in. <laughs> <laughs> that was your chunkiest, wasn't so it? That's I, your chunkiest deal. I, yeah. I do listen to, not every episode, but most episode of the podcast, and when I hear Stephen talking about the portfolio, I'm sitting there cringing like... He's missing the detail. Oh no, no Stephen! I'm like, you're asking him the questions, and I'm just like, why is that? <laughs> why are you asking him? <laughs> is, is he not getting it right? Is this? Is no, no, don't, don't get fucking, me wrong. I don't know the answers to the most of them. <laughs> ah, right, so he's just been making it. <laughs> up. Don't, don't get me wrong, right? He, everything he said is true and correct, yeah. and it's no, there's nothing wrong with what he's saying because I know, I know, right? And this is again through experience. When I started out my business career, every post on social media was uber technical of all the information that I would want not realising the average punter doesn't want to see all of that. So what Stephen said was absolutely fine. He was giving the basics. Not everybody wants the detail. So what, what, he, yeah, what he said was fine, mm. but yeah, because still, it was still, like, I was listening to it going, God. What, <laughs> what do you think our listeners would want to hear then out of that deal that would get like kind of juices flowing, if you like, then kind of like, you know, you've, you've got your group, you know, this is mm. wealth and that. You get people into your group who are starting out in property. A lot of our listeners will be in the same group. So what do people want to know about that deal just to kind of get them excited? To get them excited. So I guess, so. Not our own money. Yeah, that's the big headline, but let's let's work, work back the way. Yeah. So, value of the portfolio, 3980000 so 20 grand. That's off. the value of what you bought it for? The value, right? 3980000 so it's 20 grand off 4 million. Mm. Now, that's not a home report, your value. That is what the lender has valued it at. So, it's pretty accurate. The lender's valued it at that. We bought it for 2885500 Now, if you get your calculator right, that's 27.5% discount. So, obviously, to come up with 2.885 million to buy the portfolio. So, we took a bridging loan out that gave us the majority, and then you need a deposit. And the deposit, we got some private lenders to make up the balance. Boom, bought it with none of our own money. So, now we've got. How much deposit do you need? Um, well, it was. This is the great thing about having you on, right? right. You know numbers. Numbers, <laughs> Plus, it's good because it puts everyone on LinkedIn. So, if you can't remember those numbers, we just go back to your LinkedIn post and you can see it on your <laughs> statement that you post. Well, yeah, the, the bridging loan ended up being 2.5 million. Right. Now it's 2.5, 2.55 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is on, it's on. I posted it on Facebook and uh. LinkedIn and it's got the actual figure. Um, but we put what had actually happened we had another property that we'd bought the private finance and we were going to sell it but the refurb delayed and all the rest of it and instead of selling it the private investor didn't want the money back so that kept going and so we actually put we wiped out the bridge on that and then used it this unencumbered property as security so that basically brought the deposit down because you're putting that forward as deposit and then the remaining cash we just we went well I had a, we had a shortfall of like 220 230 grand and I was like right we need to raise this money cool on the phone raise some money just to top the pot up to get the deal over the line so where we're at now so you've got your 39 we're buying plus this one as a security um, on the bridging loan and then we obviously have to refinance them or sell them to pay off the bridging loan but the way that it works you've got your 4 million of property plus a 300 grand house so you've got 400 sorry 4.3 million pound of property but the bridge you need to pay off is only 2.55. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine if you're refinancing them at 75% loan to value, even with a little bit of um, down value, you're still going to clear that bridge quite comfortably 
plus the 230 or so of private finance at the back end. But what we've actually done as well is we've put a few sales through, one to pay it off quicker and two to get rid of the the lesser Delivered. quality mm. stock. And when I say none, of, it was all pretty good stock. Yeah, good stock. How many have you sold so far? So we've got, <coughs> we sold one under auction terms and it goes through tomorrow. Right. And we sold six, we packaged it up, packaged it up as a portfolio. And that goes through hopefully next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's seven so far. There is now that we get there's six refinances going through. There's eight going through probably tomorrow. There is another. And why? Sorry, why for the sales? Right? What What is the reasoning behind that selling those properties? And what for the listeners? Like? I guess the main reason is long term. We want the portfolio to have the better quality stock. Now, it's not that they're poor quality, they're just lower value. So right. we're talking about 65 grand flats. Good yielding stock. Yeah, really good okay. yielding, but we just don't want them. We want to have, It's for me, it's about portfolio value and mm-hmm. income. But you want that from, you don't want, so you don't want loads and loads and loads of little tiny little low value properties. Granters. Granters. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> but when you're starting out, they're great. But as you grow, you maybe think, well, you want the volume to de-risk in terms of a tenant source paying. Da, 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 da. Yeah. If you've got two hundred properties, you don't want two hundred forty grand flats. Yeah. You want two hundred. I don't know, one hundred and fifty grand, maybe or something like that. So it's part of it's about I swear, not quality control, but getting rid of the low value stuff. It's also about de-risking. So by if you refinance a property, effectively just assuming a seventy-five percent loan to value mortgage, you're almost tying up 25% of your equity if you sell it you release all of that equity so you pay off the bridging loan a lot quicker but it also means um, obviously you know I'm a big fan of the repayment mortgage looking after your loan to value not being over leveraged so by selling you can kind of it's, it's a really simple way of keeping your loan to value under control yeah. mm-hmm. so what we're really doing buy 39 sell 7 keep 32 it's co- combining a flip and a I don't know what a bit of trading and a bit of, of yeah. yeah it's combining a sort of what do we call it? It's B- not a BRRR portfolio. Definitely, I can see already the partnership mm. is a good one here because obviously be like fucking you've not got a fucking clue what he just said. <laughs> anyway, you're just still sitting confused. <laughs> Although you've been over it ten times already. Uh, can you sign that? Uh, this is one of the things I like about working with him. He just lets me get on with the bank. I, yeah. I, I pick the, I, I get all the lenders. I'm like, we're going to do that one. Those six to Paragon. Those seven to Foundation. Yeah. And then I just present it to him and go, look, he might go, oh, but. He's got a big thing about arrangement fees at the minute, and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like Stevie. Uh-huh. What matters is not you know cash flow. What matters is what's the overall cost. Mm-hmm. Because if you're taking it from here and putting it there, one way or another, it affects the P and L. Yeah. Ultimately, what's the cheapest overall? That's what I like to look yeah. at. So I don't care if the rates high, the rates low, the arrangement fees high, and we've just took one out. Um, with the range of fees like 11 grand yeah uh, but it works out better than taking the higher rate overall so I'm like well it's all about the P&L because all you're doing is just spending money unnecessarily you might not see it but it's all about long term you'll see the effects of that people will be sitting there thinking right we're talking big numbers now right a lot of people can relate to buying like 39 properties I know you sort of teach people it easily can be done but some people struggle to get their head around that right but they will be sitting there thinking right they've got 100 properties well they, they must be fucking minted no like, fucking skin you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that is but it's, it's reality is right because like, i wanted to ask the question you know like I'm, i don't 
expect you to tell us how much you're taking out the business but you know what is the reality guys really of owning a portfolio like that you know are you taking We've taken nothing out of the business. Nothing. Nothing. We're, no, we're, we're, it's a good point um, to make. We agreed that three years ago when we started. We're not taking anything out of the portfolio. For, for us, property has always been an investment business. It's not a trading business. It's not one to give us income. We've got jobs and business, other businesses yeah. that generate us income. I think the easiest way to sort of explain it, and I, I did touch on this in the last podcast interview, if we take, you know, the, the strategy for growth is not changed at all take out lots of leverage to acquire the assets with none of your own money. Obviously, you add the value, add the equity effectively to your portfolio. You then can pay back your short-term private uh, investors, um, bridging finance, put it on a long-term mortgage. Then you've obviously got cash flow. But then what you want to do is use your cash flow to consolidate your debt. But you're consolidating the debt on an asset that you've acquired without putting any of your own money in. Free. So, yeah, you need to be... Leveraged on the acquisition, but then you need to clean up behind you. Right. So if you run it that hard for I don't know five to ten years, at some point you'll stop, and you'll be sitting in a portfolio at you know low loan to value. If you just keep going and going and going and going and going, and then with the cash flow just taking the money, what you're building is a massive debt bubble. And people that have been irresponsible right now, not maybe not right now, but over the coming months, they're going to start feeling the pinch. Mm-hmm. You know the interest rates going up. You know, and it won't be it won't be instant because you'll be coming yeah. off your fixed rate mortgages and oh my god and we've seen it we've, but, we've, seen, but we've seen that from mm-hmm. the, the tenant the people that we're buying the portfolios from we go and view the portfolios and then you, it's almost getting a bit of a glimpse into our future and looking maybe 15 20 years ahead mm-hmm. because the po- people we are buying portfolios have had them for 20 years they've milked the cash flow oh it makes nine ten grand a month brilliant and all they've done is live off it oh i retired 25 years ago and lived off this portfolio but they've put nothing into the property or they haven't paid off the interest only mortgage mm-hmm. so they're still sitting there with this fucking million pound two million pound a day the properties are now shitholes now then they need 15, 20 grand spent on them all and they're like, oh shit, we're needing, we're needing 300, 400 grand of capital we don't have yes. because I've just milked them. We're thinking, well, don't make that same mistake that historically that landlords, I suppose, have made. And so at what us. point do you start getting the rewards in, start using the money, you know, start benefiting from it? If you're not taking them out now, what's the kind of long-term goal for you guys? Do you have an aligned vision? Like... Year 2030. <laughs> Because I turned 40. Right? <laughs> and that's when... That's what... Well, I, I mean... How does it look in 20... Uh, did you say 2040? No, the year, no, the year 2030. 2030? I turned 40. Oh, you turned 40. Mm-hmm. Right, so how does, it, how does your property portfolio look in 2030 then? Well, we've... we've we're, higher, we're high in leverage than Aberdeen, I suppose. Yeah. So we've bought well. We've bought at the bottom of the market. If we get capital growth back in Aberdeen as as historically you've seen from Aberdeen is it follows the opposite trend from everywhere else in the UK. Well, that's a so big if, isn't that's it? That's a big if, if. But that's, that was one of them is when they go back up, sell half, pay off the debt another half or sell the whole lot, we don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's always about deleverage. It's always about during the acquisition stage, we'll go 75% loan in value. But at the back end, we're going to start cleaning it up and just either paying down it to a debt level we're comfortable with. And then we go, okay, we'll start taking income now that the debt's now a healthy stage for us. I think things evolve though because you know, adding four million pound of property in one go, I wouldn't have dreamed of that six, seven years ago. Six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you can only just get bigger. So I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I've got an idea where we're going, but things evolve, mm. things change. Mm. Um, like I says, going back to, you know, spending the money on stupid things like cars, effectively I sold some all money out by Alex. So you could argue it was a free car. 
Mm-hmm. But so along the way, you might sell the odd one, release some equity, get the cash, and yeah, off you go and you know do something along the way. But ultimately, as long as you're buying enough and you're you're, you're scaling and you're moving forward, it's, it ultimately is a numbers game. I know it, I'm not as naive to think it's purely about the numbers, but the numbers tell a story of what's going on. And yeah, deleveraging is quite important, mm-hmm. and selling is a good way of increasing that deleverage. But it's like buy a hundred. Sell fifty, keep fifty. You know, I did like that point that you made about cleaning up behind you. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was really, really important because, like you said, if you just keep going, keep going, keep going, using other people's money, mm-hmm. not using any of your own money, or rest of it, eventually, surely, you know, that is going to come tumbling down in mm-hmm. some form or other. I mean, it's almost like I'm not, you know, not like <laughs> not comparing what you guys do, but you know, you hear about Ponzi schemes where people, mm-hmm. you know, people are lending off one investor then they're paying back from another investor and they'll just keep paying down below eventually it all comes crumbling down. down yeah and, and, and this is a, I suppose is the pain point right now off the portfolio except when we lined up this portfolio pretty much a year ago now the lending market and the financial markets completely changed with sta- interest rates have went up considerably so we've now we're now exiting that 39 properties that we put on the bridge there's been fees that have been added in the last few mm. months that, that the whole market's changed. We've now got arrangement fees at 5%, which was only 1% six months ago. So we're, we're adding those to the loan, which means we're at 8% mm. loan of value. So we need to clean up behind ourselves. You can't stay at that leverage. You need I, to deal with it. Sticking on the interest rates, because obviously it's topical. So like, obviously I've had conversations with Stephen in that over the last kind of few months and that, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to sit tight. I'm not going to buy anything like interest rates. And it's all crazy time at the moment. How do you sit in terms of like, you know, are you pausing at the moment in terms of buying? So yeah, yeah, we're pausing, but then Stephen comes in the office last week and goes, I think we should start lining up the next acquisition. And I'm like, I'd love to. I just love the buzz of adding assets to the portfolio, but I'm like, mm-hmm. let's just, yeah, let, let's just pause a bit. Let's focus on banking cash and our trading businesses. We've got a new focus with this and as well, as well, and building the community and growing that and helping as many people as we can in that. So we have got a, a bit of a diverted, diver, diverted focus for a, a couple new project. Of years. I almost. almost we're trying to treat that like a bit of a project. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it's, I think his problem is going to be trying to keep me fucking busy to not look at anything else. What is an acquisition? You another portfolio? Like you, ha- would you not? You wouldn't go now that you've no. bought a thirty-nine unit like portfolio. You wouldn't go back and just buy like, nah. one or two, would you? I don't think so. Not. Nah. I'm pretty oh, sure we wouldn't. Unless but it was an exception. I've been putting them to Sam the last few weeks, like apart hotels. I'm like, oh, do you know what would be really cool? An apart hotel because of the SA change and stuff like that. Mm. You're always looking at the next, trying to find that next bit of niche in the property strategy. No, and, and single if it was like a free four hundred grand cracking house in a really good location just because yeah, you have good assets to hold that have some good capital growth prospects but yeah it's going to be something a bit more exciting maybe mm. a commercial element um, I mean buying 39 properties is no different from buying one just doing it 39 times you've got the economies of scale everything's the same it's just the numbers are bigger and scarier what's your, what's your mindset change been like recently then because from going I'm trying to think of I'm trying you're going to know the fucking numbers better than me which is shitty me asking you the question but from the last bridge at maybe 18 on a quid a month bridging loan to buy portfolios I think there were a couple of grand a month was maybe the max to all of a sudden 21 grand a month what's your mindset shift been in this last year then of of of, of like the next thing the people maybe look, looking out going fuck I'm only buying one or I'm buying a portfolio of six and it's, so a smaller amount to here's a bigger chunk what's the what's the mindset shift 
you know the honest truth is I thought I'd be nervous or I thought I'd be absolutely bricking it, but I kind of haven't been. I mean, <clears throat> yes, I've been, yeah, a little bit like, mm, oh, this is quite big. And why am I not nervous? But it's just, it's the same fundamental strategy that we've done. T- you know, we've bought, I don't know, a good five, six, seven portfolios. Um, and yeah, originally, you know, you buy and you hold everything, and then it, it got to like, you know, like Bartley House is a classic. We actually bought five, got annihilated on ADS, but the deal was that good, it still worked. It's one of Kilmarnock. Yep, yeah. we bought five, we sold two, we kept three. Great, all money out plus a little bit of money. Um, so actually, early in this year, because we bought 39, it's completely overshadowed. We did a six unit acquisition, mm. and it was like 30% discount. We bought six flats, we sold one. Um, well, what we actually did is we did a mini refurb on it, stuck a tenant in, sold it tenanted for a really good price and kept five. And it's just like, it's almost like selling one keeps that momentum going, keeps mm. it, and you just punt it out the, out the door. But Yeah, because as so, much as people are hearing about 30% discounts, there is going to be fees that come on there, down valuations that come on there. There's things that yeah, take that. Yeah, so that. It's, it's a really good point. Is it really 30%? It's, I mean, you get your down value. I mean, lenders are being extra cautious at the minute. They are down valuing things just because my opinion is they are they are looking at a way to de-risk themselves and the easiest thing is to go, well, we think it's worth that and we'll give you 75%. Don't like it, see you later. Mm-hmm. So I think I don't think they're, it's because the properties aren't worth that. I think it's because the lenders are trying to de-risk for themselves. That's good though because and I get it. de-risk us. Because the lenders mm-hmm. are some of a business and they're, they're going, well, do I want to lend to you? Yes or no? Mm, that's a bit risky. So we will lend on the asset, but only at this amount. And so that's kind of their way around it. But to answer the question, yeah, doing the 39 portfolio I can remember doing my first portfolio it was 6 I said like, oh my god oh my god oh my god I took, you know it was um, half a mi- just shy of half a million and, and you know the number the mortgage is like 700 quid I was like oh my god oh. but then when I was like I remember the feeling of what, what really what was I worried about yeah, yeah and then we did an 8 and then we just kept doing them mm. and the 39 came along and it was big numbers it was millions but it was the same fundamental strategy it was you know, doing all the due diligence on the tenancies, checking all the properties. You know, the seller um, was an elderly guy who's like, I think he's in his 80s, mm-hmm. very well run. He'd bought a lot of them for like 30 grand. You know, he'd made his money. And now, now let's think about this. If you're in your 80s, your kids have no interest in taking on your portfolio. Why do you want to keep running a portfolio? Do you not want to extract your couple of million of equity and go and actually spend it? You know, what's the point in holding out for it so you think about the mindset and this guy had started at, I think he wanted three and a half million and obviously he went down, down, down and we eventually got him at 2.8 or 2,885,500. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well remembered. Do you remember that? I used, I used to remember all the postcodes of the properties but um, So yeah, and it's, it's what rents are coming in, mm-hmm. what mortgages are coming mm-hmm. out, we're adding 21 grand and it's not exactly mm-hmm. welcome but if we get off this bridge pretty quickly that 21 grand is going to be about 13 grand. That's pretty much where we're, mm-hmm. where the numbers are sitting just now. It's going to be about 13 grand in mortgages. So we, we get the cash flow in, but the, the most important what's the part rent, is... What's the rent on that, on that, on the 13, <coughs> 13 grand in mortgage versus the, on that last portfolio? Well, interestingly, when we bought the portfolio, the rent roll was 21,075 quid. Mm-hmm. So it was actually pretty Co- much covered. neck and neck with the bridge. But what you've got to bear in mind is the background portfolio. Mm-hmm. Now, the rents, I don't know off the top of my head exactly where we're at now. <coughs> Excuse me. But, for example, let's talk about Cherry Bank Gardens. We bought two complete blocks, 19 flats. 
and the rents, the lowest rent was 550, there was a couple at 550, and the highest one was 650, but most of them are around the 600 mark, just to give you an idea of where they're at. We've done pretty much nothing to most of them, some of them had a wee lick of paint here and there, and they're going back out at 750. Mm-hmm. And But we kind of know that, because we know the market we're operating in. You know, We were looking to go, well, we need them all back out at 700, and then obviously if we get the whole lot set, that adds it. To, 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 to. So already, you know, we're adding, added a few hundred quid of each, off each mm-hmm. just on the relets, plus you know, putting 3% of them all, yeah. I mean, that makes mm. a difference, not a lot. But it's just about looking at it and going, well, I know we can asset manage that up. Mm. And so that's kind of helped in terms of the interest would you, rates. Would you think about de-risking in terms of going elsewhere location-wise? Like, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Mm. I'd love to... You want Glasgow? Glasgow. I, mean, I know you've got a couple of Kilmarnock, mm. haven't you? But, yeah. Um, it's just there's so much opportunity in Aberdeen. The market is just in such a prime position to scoop it up. It's like... Why would you not? Why is, you it, to why is it, it not... Why is property prices not risen, though, in the past two years when everywhere else over the whole UK has but this is the, you can answer the same question in Aberdeen back in 2008 and 2009 when Aberdeen kept rising when everyone else crashed oh, true. I, know, I know it's all linked to yeah. oil and all that and the oil industry but the rental market is going absolutely wild and so it'll only be a matter of time I mean yeah. the yields are being achieved and then you boom. sold that one through John Morris at auction through the single unit on the 39 now, when you look at the yields, what, what, what there was a 575 at a 60 grand purchase or something? What I don't get is, though, if rents are going crazy, like you say, right, people having to pay 750, 800 pounds for a yeah. one-bedroom flat, well, why are they not buying these flats well, that are sitting there in this, the market? This will come. I think this is what's going to come because the, the rents have only been rising the last year and a half, two right, years, like right. to this level. If you see that rise and now looking at just buying it at actually home report market value, you were, you're working them out at like up to 13% yield on it. When investors see that, they're going to go, fucking hell, we're going to Aberdeen and we're paying market value mm-hmm. instead of us trying to get it for 30% under. So we won't be able to get deals, but I'll hopefully start pushing the market back so up here's, the way. here's a crucial point, right? If you're buying flats in Winning Quadrant or Stobel Street in Wishaw, I'm bringing those two because we're sitting in Wishaw right now. Yeah, um, yeah you're going to get 15% yields, but it's absolute dug shite. Yeah. We're talking about getting double digit yields on vanilla city centre stock you know, no mm. commercial below them. They're, they're not ex-local authority. They're near the universities. We're talking about decent mm. stock mm-hmm. with 10% yields. Now, obviously, if you go into some of the rougher parts of Aberdeen, you're going to get even higher yields. But yeah, yeah. this is what this is the mm-hmm. point we're getting. Yeah, you can get double, you can get double-digit yields. You know, in Methil or Port Glasgow, or mm. you know these areas you don't really want to buy in. But we're talking about yeah, getting double-digit yields in good areas, and good city location. Mm-hmm. Mm. And why are people not buying? Well, Nick. Um, what's the demographic of tenants? You've got students, yeah. you've got um, oil workers, you've got a very transient workforce that don't want to rent, sorry, don't want to buy, don't need mm. to buy. Um, I know the Cherry Bank Gardens block, there's about five or six of them all let to a company. I think it's telecoms workers that are in them. Mm. Shell's office yeah. is like yeah. 100 yards. They're not going to buy. Yeah. You know, so, so, and when you get enough of that, that's what fuels the mm. boom. Well, what about the standards and... You know, Moving on, uh, talking about Aberdeen Market, because it is interesting. Um, it used to be a couple of years ago, speaking to Chris Minchin and, that, and looking at yourselves and the standard, the refurb you were doing, and all that, it had to be top-notch, 
because you are competing yeah. with so many other rental properties on the market. You know yourself, Sam, mm-hmm. having a letting agency down here in Glasgow, you can put anything on it or rent, you know. I mean, obviously, we like to have some pride in our properties as good landlords mm-hmm. that we're providing a quality product and all the rest of it. But has that changed at all up in Aberdeen? Do you still, 100%, need, to, still yeah. need to go top-notch refurb, like all so, singing and dancing? F- thankfully, from my point of the, of the business, it's changing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think to give a good example, when we first came to Aberdeen, if you refurbed your, your basic one-bed flat, you were getting 495 and one that hadn't been refurbed, exactly the same. You're you're putting on at three fifty and struggling to get it let. Mm-hmm. Maybe get three two five. So you're talking a massive difference in rent. Now you're talking about twenty five fifty quid difference, right. just because the demand is so strong. Yeah. And so it's mm. coming to this point where what's the point in absolutely going above and beyond on the refurbs? Obviously, they need to be habitable, needs to be in good condition. Mm. Yeah. But it, there's a point of it doesn't have to be brand spanking new. It could be that ten year old condition. 10 year old kitchen that's yeah. been relatively well maintained mm-hmm. but it's not like banging Instagrammable anymore mm. and it'll still go mm. for the same money and, and because we're in a different place with the portfolio it makes it better because we're not needing to extract all the capital back out we're just happy for the rental to go up and start paying back in the debt and clearing up a little bit as well so if you don't need to spend huge capital and we're still getting the return even better so that's a really good point actually as well tournament mindset shift I think when we're stuck when, when you start out your portfolio you're looking at each individual property as one individual sort of standalone country, or whatever you want to call mm. it, it's on its own. And you're like, how much money's left in that one? How much money's left in that one? The mindset for us, buying portfolios, selling here, buying there, you have to completely change your focus to looking at it from holistically as a business. And for me now, it's not about how much money's left in the deal. It's each unit, what am I in mm. that for? So if I know what we're in that for, I know what we need to sell it for mm-hmm. in order to A, break even, B, make a reasonable profit and basically judge, can I sell it for that? So I don't know. So let's just take a property you know, in our portfolio. Let's take Ray- Forest Road, yeah. Rayburn Place. Rayburn Place Rayburn would be Rayburn the, Place. was the mindset you have to think. Yeah, so Rayburn yeah. Place, um, I don't care what it's worth, but I know what I'm in for. So if someone comes along to me with an offer, I know what I'm in for. I know what they're offering me. Okay, I might look, I'll, I'll know roughly what it's worth. I'll go, does it make sense to cash that in? Let's do it. And so when the interest rates all started rising last year, I said to Stephen, so we had we had a house in Cumbernauld, another house in Ayrshire, and the market was strong. And I said, Stephen, maybe we should just punt a few to de-risk because next year is going to be tough. And if we take action now, by the time, because it takes a while to sell a property, by the time they've all gone through, we'll have made the decisions ahead of time. Mm. And that's exactly what we did. We sold mm. a few properties purely to de-risk. And each of them, I says, well, we're, we're in... We're in this one for, I think Brayface we're in for about 85 grand. You saw that one? And we sold it. Ah, yeah, mm. We sold it for 115, tenanted, eight. retained the management with Dyer and Co. And the one in Ayrshire, we were all in for about 62. Mm. We sold it for 86 and a half. And again, retained the management with yeah. Dyer and Co. Mm. So it's kind of a win, win, win. And then obviously we, so we were in at one point, out at another point, bank your difference, back in the portfolio, de-risk. And so it's, but that's that holistic view. It's not looking at. Yeah. So if you back, if you bring them in, that means it takes pressure off this big bridge we've taken off. Yeah. And then it means you can leave money in the deals, which what that really means is, let's take a Cherry Bank Gardens, right? 125 grand value. Might just have an eight, you know, 70 grand mortgage on it. Well, mm-hmm. so what? That's all we need to do to, to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. But that's not a bad thing. Not only does he know his numbers, he can also predict the future as well. So <laughs> get the ball. <laughs> Good, no, good, uh, good move. Obviously, selling a couple of those properties and cashing in. 
So where does the twenty-one grand bridge end? When does that end? Then, like, when do you we're, need? We're only four months in it. Oh yeah, Two, four like, months okay. So twenty-eighth of June. Yeah, right. my, my birthday. Yeah, we got on our birthday, didn't we? Oh, shit, well, I did not know that. Actually, was thirty-nine. Uh, he was thirty-nine years old, and we added thirty-nine to the port- portfolio. That's right. On the twenty-eighth. That's June. right. I remember uh, seeing that. Um, so obviously, you've you've come to terms with that. Personally, that was giving me sleepless nights. I think, <laughs> like, but obviously, you're comfortable with it now. But it's a case of you're kind of at the mercy of the lenders now. You know, like in terms of getting these plenty options. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we just sell them if we can. Yeah. You know, there's plenty, plenty skin. Obviously, we've bought them. At a price that allows us to sell them mm. but I mean we're selling them so uh, the six that we sold six there pick the lowest value ones uh, we do six studios all valued at 65 grand they're going through at 60 grand a pop you know but mm. the yields are there um, it's yeah. a good it's a good, really good buy for the investor who's kind of wanting to go in nice and vanilla and simple add some decent assets to his portfolio obviously there's a Capital growth prospects. Now, the thing about these six is we have we have retained properties in the same blocks, so we believe in the postcode, we believe in the area. Mm. It's simply we want to uh, de-risk mm. and kind of just consolidate. Mm. So it, you know, it makes sense. Mm. If we our plan, or I suppose it's land on Sam, but the, the plan was to exit the bridge and loan by the end of the year. So six months we're off it. We probably will because a few issues lenders might go a wee bit over. Oh, just lenders being lenders, but it doesn't concern me because mm. there's plenty of other options. And you know, worst case scenario, we just put a few more sales through. Um, I can't remember if I tu- no, I don't think I did touch on this in the last podcast, but um, everything in my portfolio is for sale at a price. So, you know, there's, there's assets that I'm really don't want to sell, but if someone comes along and offers me enough money, of course I'm going to sell it. Mm. Um. So I've always got a handful of properties up, you know, up at auction. Uh, with John I had to Morris. change his mindset on that. Uh, so, 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 <laughs> funnily enough, actually, it was just uh, yesterday, John Morris phoned me up and he's like, yeah, yeah, I've got an offer on your Castle Street flat. And I'm like, oh, really? And initially I dismissed it because I was like, no, nah, I want that. And then I put the phone down and I was actually kind of a bit preoccupied. And then I thought to myself, I was like, nah, if someone's, if I'm, if I'm all in for this and they're offering that and, why don't I just take the money, you know? Um, you know, Right now, we're in a high interest rate environment. I don't need to sell, but putting that cash back in the bank, I was like, do you know what? Hmm, it might actually make sense. And I thought, so I phoned him back up and says, if you can get this, I'll take the deal, if not, whatever. But, but my point is, if you get an opportunity to crystallise your gains, why don't you take it? Mm. And it's like, it's like stock, mar- stock market's a really good way of putting my point across here. You own X number of shares in Shell, PLC, and, oh, yeah, Oh, I'm up. I'm up thirty percent. Oh, I've made ten grand. No, you haven't. You haven't made that money until you've actually crystallised your gain and the cash is back in your bank. And the same is to be said for property. The difference with property is it moves a lot slower than the stock market. So, but so, also, so where's the mindset shift in the last few years? Aye. Because when we went into the business, you were and fucking, I've got video evidence. I've got evidence. You going, I will never sell a single asset. Why the fuck <laughs> would? Why do you flip properties? You're a fucking idiot. Why would you I flip think properties? I remember that as yeah, well. you flip properties. Why would you sell a property? Why do you keep everything forever? So what's the? Where's the mindset shift in such a um, few, short period of time? Yeah, I get quite passionate about things, um, but also very driven. So when I want to push a point across, and I know Tracy hates me for this because I just get so stubborn about it, but then the way she reacts is she's equally, and then we end up, but then, but point is, I like to look at things objectively, and if, if I can if I can understand something, I'm like, you know what, I, I will always admit that I was wrong, and yeah, I was wrong, because selling is, 
it depends why you're selling. But if you built a business purely on flipping, that's I don't think that's a very no, you've got built a trading business, haven't you? You've not built an investment business. Exactly, and, and you're never yeah. gonna be able to extract yourself from that. But obviously building a portfolio. I used to always say to you this. Mm-hmm. You know, you you crystallize a pro- you leave some money in a deal, something goes wrong, you bit refurb and some of your stock and you go and flip a property and you make thirty grand. That makes up for you know, two hundred pound a month cash flow for how many years to make thirty grand that like you can capitalise money very quickly with flips. Um, and you were like, no, fuck it, fuck it. The, the more income and all this, you build up this shit and, you, and all of a sudden you've just changed this tune off. Like, oh, right, I see what you mean. But it's, it's, it, I suppose it's, if you're doing one at a time, it's very easy to get very like possessive and mm. oh no. But then if you're buying in bulk, yeah. buy 39, punt seven. Is there a, is there a less rest. emotional attachment to you now? I suppose, 100%, 100%, going. absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I've not even been inside a lot of the properties we yeah. own. Mm. And a, a big part of that is trusting not just Stephen, but we've had mm-hmm. le- you know, letting agents will do the due diligence. And to be fair, I do it in reverse with Dyer & Co. I will go inside properties, do the due diligence and feedback to them. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've had letting agents in Aberdeen go inside tenanted properties and I trust what they're feeding back. But I think that is just a, a thing in business um, is if you've got the right people, you trust them, you can kind of let go a bit and that's how you grow. And the problem is, yeah, the problem is finding the right people. Mm-hmm. But there's, this is a whole different um, podcast, I suppose. Because yeah. I feel like I've been on a journey as well as a manager, employing staff. You know, mm. I've had to learn how to be a manager, how to be an effective manager, and how to get the best out of my team, whilst also making sure that they feel valued, rewarded. And I, I can hold my head up high and say, I know that you know my staff and our joint staff, mine and Stevens, I think they really enjoy working for us. And they've said so. I remember. Well, we'll get them on the I'm podcast. I'm looking at Stevie's. I'm looking at Stevie's reaction as he fucking said that. Scott, but you you, you remember, <laughs> we, were out, we had a night out um, a few weeks ago, and one of our members of staff had had a few wines and was just telling me how much she loves working for us. <laughs> I had the fucking few wines to tell <laughs> you that. And I was just like, do you know what? It's so nice to hear it, and I, we do try. We do mm. try and make it a nice environment. I know Stevie Scott's rolling his eyes, but <laughs> <laughs> right, getting off the getting off the employer of the year award. Then. Um, so, guys, I want to finish up on the property education because obviously, oh, you, favorite topic. you have recently become a property education uh, educators. Actually, what would you what would you call I mean, yourself in your group? Like, so you've created this this is wealth group. Explain what it is and why have you done it and why you're not still uh, concentrating on investing? Why have you diverted your focus into this sort of training uh, sort of sphere, education, property education? Now he's put me on the spot. You're a property trainer now? I'm not a property trainer. I'm not a property educator. So This Is Wealth is a network. Um, There's a very small monthly subscription, like a gym membership, to be a part of it. We put on events. We have experts and partners, industry professionals coming in, giving up their time, providing value. All of that costs money. In the events we put on, we we tend to uh, feed and water everybody, drink. Um, That all costs money. So you pay the subscription effectively to go into the pot so we can put on the events. Why am I doing it? Well, we're building a network. We're building a network of people that are actually committed to bettering themselves, you know, in you the build property. a network without charging people seventy five pound a month, though. The diff- ha- ah, there's a big difference. How do you put on events? Because if you put on free events, yeah, people just turn up or whatever. But as soon as you ask for money, only the people that are really committed will actually bother to turn up. Mm-hmm. Now I'll throw that back at you, Nick. You don't do it for free. You charge people twenty pounds to come along to your Scottish property podcast events. So how's that any different? Mm. 
I think, well, if you look into the numbers, oh. I don't think we're taking anything out of that, are we? No. I mean, I think, no, but I think it's the same. scraping it's by. The same idea. And, and the point is, I, yeah, it I, covers the cost of the podcast. Yeah. I think it covers the cost of the podcast. It's £62.50 plus VAT a month. Mm. No contract, no subscription. You can leave at any time. Mm. Literally, the worst that could happen is you spend your £62.50 plus VAT, which is £75. You think, this is rubbish. And you don't come back. That, that's not, you know, so what, £75? And if you really think it's that bad, I'll give it back to you, honestly. Mm. But I, I, I actually am quite passionate about the network we're building. I think the value we give is absolutely astronomical. Oh, yeah. like, like, we've got a really good retention rate. And it's not only that, it's, you know, people get access to deals they get access to the experts we've got various discounts with suppliers so like Ren Kitchens mm-hmm. for example if you quote our discount mm-hmm. code which I'm not going to say on the air mm-hmm. you know you get d- discount of kitchens so mm-hmm. it's kind of like you you've, could say we've, you've, you've like almost LMPG, changed LMPG yeah. combined with a networking company combined with and says why are you building a network well building a network you know let's just be totally honest, the more people in my network, the more people I can do business with. Yeah. And vice versa, we share ideas, we share wins. I learn things every day from the people in our network. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like information, but it's like valuable information on tap. So it's a community, it's a community of hustlers, entrepreneurs, property people. We're, tr- we're trying to not keep it property. We're trying to keep it like quite open as much as the majority of the people, because we are spearheading it to a certain extent, um, has fallen property. We want it to be a bit more than that, about yeah. lifestyle and health okay. and fitness I'll and well-being. I'll put this to you in, both of you, because obviously you're involved in it together. <laughs> so like, a lot of people have been mentioning lately on social media that there seems to be an increase in people running courses and uh, groups and things I, like I, that. I'm sure if you look back to one of our very, very early episodes, I said, I called this. I said, this will be a strategy going forward. So why is it Why is it now? Why are these groups and training groups and I think it's a combination of things popping up now. It's, um, things are shifting online. People are, you know, uh, the growth of online businesses, because you can run businesses like this online. But I suppose this is where, yes, we do some stuff online, but we have a big focus on socialising and events. And just having a good time mm. you know like going to the, the spa we, um, we, we, we also thought that we found that everyone was doing that through I mean obviously our Scottish Property Podcast does exactly the same thing as a networking event but we always thought it was quite stuffy to get people in a room and drill them information we've got our weekly Zoom calls that people can get that information on if they choose to come on or they can catch up on the recording um, but it's more about the social like I've always found that the people that I end up getting involved in business with are doing a flip way or joint venture and we are doing what our deals with it's always someone you've had a beer where you've had a, a meal where you've been on a Mm. on a camera or met them in a social event where you're relaxed and you can shoot the shit and you get to know one another not in a stuffy room um, you don't find that it's obviously now that it's getting harder to make money at property that that some people have kind of thought well we've done well in property but you know we're I've got the status now where we can actually show other people and it's actually easier so as a couple <laughs> things nobody's doing what we're doing No, yeah you could draw comparisons but nobody's doing what we're doing and second of all, it's this as well. It's not the Sam and Stephen mm. and Tracy's part of it as well. Mm. I can't forget Tracy. It's not our show, um, our website, which should be live soon. We'll not have our faces on it. It is about the community. It's mm. not about us. It's not about our egos. It's all about the network. And, and, and to, to probably big Sam up, you've pretty much got your manage, your lettings agent business at a position where you're redundant from the business that you actually spend most of your day job now giving value to this as well, members. So mm. you're on that community answering people's questions constantly. So, I'm, so, I'm so not, you're talking about so value. I'm not picking on you guys. I'm just saying in general, I'm seeing a lot of these groups popping up. I mean, if I go on Instagram yeah. solely mm. in Scotland, I think there's oh, probably yeah. four off the top of my head. Yeah. 
But guys that are doing this, and this has all just popped up, I would say, in the last sort of year or yeah. so. Multiple income streams, I think, is one of them. Um, and also, you know, we all know the power of a network. And yeah. so it's almost building your own network that I guess the people that are setting up we we groups, I mean, ours is relatively sizable now. We're, we're gunning for 200 subscribers. Um, I think most of the groups are probably in the 10s and 20s. I guess that these 200 at 75 in a pop I can see the motivation there I straight away well you're losing some of that to VAT but um, and we've got a couple of members of staff in it already as well I guess other people setting up the groups perhaps it's their dare I say it a bit of ego wanting to do their own thing they don't want to share share and be part of something bigger they just want to keep it quite closed doors which I guess is fine it's absolutely fine but we wanted to build something big that covers all the Scotland and purposely keeping the price really, really low, but also providing the value so that the more members we get, the more value we provide, the mm. better events we can pull off. I mean, we, we had our quarter-free gathering recently. It was an unlimited bar. Pizza, as much alcohol as you can consume, we pick up a tab. And we cannot put that on if we don't have the subscribers. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's all there. So, so people could come along and drink the bar dry and get their 75 quid's worth quite easily. I mean, that, that okay, that's probably abusing the system, but... <laughs> But again, we want jump, to... Jump yeah. on a Zoom call, jump on the community pages and, and, and messaging Sam with a question or messaging the group with a question and you get guys like, just on Paul Dockery, um, you and Dudding always answers a question um, on finance. Like you've got all these experts and people that are doing shit in the community that would just want to answer a question instantly. Yeah. They almost get instant answers. Not if they go and scroll through YouTube or, or go and you've just got these you know, a big, massive community of people doing different you things. You know they're property. serious. You know they're not tire kickers. So people message me and go, oh... Oh, can I get access to your deals? Yeah, it's really simple. It's £62.50 plus VAT, you get access to all my deals. Mm. It really is that simple. So it's almost a, a barrier to get rid of people that right. are serious and not serious. Cool. We need to watch our time, guys. It's brilliant. I think, you know, what you get, there's, there's no kind of arguing about it. You can't say that, you know, you're a pair of like fraudsters or anything like that, you know, like because, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> Go on the social media. Follow Sam Dye on social media. You'll see what he's done over the last couple of Go years. Go check out Sam's company's house accounts. I'm sure they'll, they'll justify it. the Telegraph it. and the Times newspaper. Well, do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> when you did say no, we, we're not going to stop buying. It's a pause. I'm gagging to get the next project. Although, in a few weeks, we're getting knees deep into our commercial building in Resife. That's a hell of a refurb. And Tracy's taking on the reins of that predominantly. So we're still very much in it. Stephen's going to be a big help mm. uh, behind the scenes as well. Um, so no, we're still very much deep in it. You coming in with a sledgehammer? Well, <laughs> well Tracy lets him. <laughs> right, that was brilliant, Sam. Thanks very much for taking the time. Really appreciate your honesty, divulging all the numbers and all that stuff that Stephen kind of keeping his wee head up there. Nah, so too much things going on my head to keep the numbers. But Sam's brilliant. the right hand man for it. <laughs> Thank you.